the third part of uh, moving beyond and above talks about stewardship and trustworthiness. Stewardship and trustworthiness. Now, I want you to remember something I shared with you. <clears throat> I want to remember that over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible talk about tithing, about money. Okay, let, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible talk about money, wealth, and possession. Right? And uh, if I'm right, only about 600 scriptures talks about faith and prayer. Only about 600 scriptures talks about faith and prayer. One of my favorite scriptures is Luke chapter 1, where the Bible talks about, you know, it will deliver us from the hands of our enemies, all our enemies. For me, poverty is included in all my enemies. Unemployment is, is there. Underemployment. Sometimes we are not unemployed. We are underemployed. And sometimes it's not that we are even underemployed. We are underutilized in our work situation. I remember working in a place, and I always, I always tell everywhere I've worked, I look at their job description, and I stick to the job description. I don't try to give you more. And my boss said, but you can do more. I said, but if you want me to do more, you must be able to pay me more. He said, but we can't do that. I'm like, then you can't expect me to give you more. I'm only giving you what your money is worth. You get my point? I've learned, I've learned to put a premium value on myself. Right? I've learned to, let, let me tell you something. You have to put a value on you. You have to set that value on yourself. I've learned to do that for a long time. And I've seen people try to, try to do some things. And I just laugh. I said, no. <laughs> What you pay for is what you're going to get. I'm not going to go. Like when my wife started at catering and people will call her and say, hey, you know, mama, something, somebody in the West End is doing it for $40. And my wife, will, I said, look, anybody can do it for whatever amount they want to do. That is the price you have set. That's the price you go with. I remember, uh, was it sometimes last year, I decided to change my business uh, format. <clears throat> And so I increased certain of my services. And I actually did it because it was, I was spending too much time doing assessments instead of therapy. So I just sat down there, I looked at how much time it cost me, I looked at the industry standard and I set the price. And you know, it was so interesting that even the first two weeks, when people call me and I tell them how much, I would say, I would say something like, you know, I really don't want to do that because it's expensive. And they say, how much? I remember somebody said to me, is it because you think I can't pay you? I said, no, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be mindful. And the man said, it doesn't matter how much. So I told the man, guess what? The man came to my office, paid for my service, and for, for some very interesting reason, he actually gave me a tip. <laughs> After you have paid me $1,000, you are giving me a tip. And he's like, no. he said, this is for your lunch. I said, look, you already paid me. He said, just take. Okay. I'm not going to say no. And interestingly, on that day, thank God I took that money because he paid me the other money uh, using this card. He gave me the other uh, the tip in cash. I realized later that I left my wallet at home and I was hungry, so I was able to pay cash for food. Praise the Lord. So you've got to set that premium on yourself. 
anybody, the Bible said when, when somebody goes to the market and they, they price something, they will say, no, 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 but then by the time they get to the price, they will go over and say, oh my God, I got a good bargain. I got a good bargain. Amen? Amen. So let's look at the whole concept of stewardship this morning. Uh, I also remember that 16 out of 38 parables of Jesus deals with money and possession, and nearly 25% of his teaching deals with biblical stewardship, or simply, I love the way Pastor Francis started the, 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 the message on Wednesday. He said, let's not even quote the scripture, let's just look at the real definitions of this. Right? And so the same thing here. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words on or teachings in the New Testament deals with stewardship. Right? So what is stewardship? I think that's the best, that's the place we want to start. What is stewardship? So stewardship it starts from the word steward, which is a steward is a person whose job is to prioritize, organize. And organize an event or to provide services to a particular people or to take care of a particular place. And I've purposely done that using the principle of jurisprudence that everything has to be in the, in the dictionary, right? So uh, the, the Cambridge Dictionary says, a steward is a person whose job is to organize a particular event or to provide services to a particular people or to take care of a particular place. In this case, for me, first of all, you are a steward of yourself. Can you take care of yourself? Can you organize yourself? Can you provide for yourself? If you can do all of those, then you're a good steward. Anybody who cannot lead himself and is leading somebody else will be a bad leader. And according to the same uh, Cambridge Dictionary, someone's stewardship of something is the way in which that person controls or organizes it. Your stewardship shows how you control and how you organize. I've had a lot of friends, and one of the things I've taught some of my friends is I, I will just look at them and say, I need to teach you something. They look at us, I need to govern your passion. I need to start learning self-control. Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And he wasn't asking for blind obedience. So if he's teaching us stewardship, then we need to be able to apply what he's teaching to ourselves. And it was very interesting because uh, while I was researching for this topic, I stumbled across an article on, uh, online on Christianity.com. And they said, in biblical terms, stewardship was described as utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Christian stewardship regards the obligations of Christians in managing and utilizing intelligently 
the gifts that God has given them. Christian steward is not only responsible for the financial blessings provided by God, but also the spiritual gifts that are given through the Holy Spirit. Christian stewardship. One of the things I, I learned very early as a pastor is to surround myself with other ministers. And when I've done that, I really, really take time to study everybody around me because it is important for me to understand your calling and your gift. Because I believe in putting the square peg in the square hole and the round peg in the round hole. I remember once I, I looked at a guy, uh, he had an evangelical ministry, but he, he really wanted to be a pastor and teacher. And I kept giving him assignments that were, that were evangelical. And one day he looked at me and he said, how do you know I'm an evangelist? I said, because that is your calling. He was, he was surprised. I don't know why he was surprised. So people think they operate in the five-fold ministry. They just mess it up. Being able to operate in the five-fold ministry is a gift. But even when you operate in the five-fold ministry, one of those ministries will stand out more than the others. One of them will. By the grace of God, I can say I operate in the five-fold ministry, but I would always tell you that I am one of the worst evangelists you will ever meet in your life. But, so I love, I love having evangelists around me. It's just, it's just a grace that I know I have to really, really learn. And I also want to, you to know that every, every skill can be learned. If you set your mind to it, you can learn it. I remember the first time I made banana bread. And um, we were in Ottawa, and they had a, a bread maker. And the, the recipe was there for me to follow, but I was thinking, uh, I just put everything. <laughs> and after wasting correct and everything, when it came out, we couldn't eat it. But you know what? I and my cousin uh, was laughing and said, what, what did you do? I told you to follow the recipe. And so I came back and I'm like, you know, I can actually do that. And so I came and I've improved on making banana bread. I think I should actually bake a banana bread the next time she comes to Toronto. Just to prove that I've gotten better. Every skill can be learned. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I've taught myself so many things because I needed to learn those things. It's part of stewardship. A good steward needs to be open-minded and be willing to learn new things. Mm -hmm. Flexibility is one thing that is key. Right? Being conservative is nice. But I want you to be both progressive and conservative. So, still worship. Our main test is First uh, Corinthians four, verse one to three. This then, I'm reading for the NIV. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. King James says. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries. You see that? As stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required in stewards 
that a man be found faithful. Verse 3, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judge of you or man's judgment. Ye, I judge not my own self. Thank you. NIV says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Another version, I don't remember which version now says, it is required of the stewards to show themselves trustworthy. So the word trustworthiness and faithfulness are synonymous in that. Stewardship. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, each of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In its various forms. Forms as faithful stewards. So when you look at stewardship, it also talks about you discovering what you have. For me, the best example I can I would always return to will be just will be Joseph. And um, it's a long story, so I'm not going to start from the back. I'll give you the recap. You all know it. He was sold into slavery. He was bought by the, the, uh, the, the Egyptian uh, prison official who had a beautiful young wife about his age. But you realize that since the day he got into that house, it was so interesting that since the day he got into the, that official's house, the man saw him. The man took notice of him. Remember, the Bible says, see thou a man that is diligent at his work. He will not stand before me men. Something, so the man saw something. Joseph did not, listen, Joseph had not even worked before. He was just 17. Coming from his father's house, a beloved young man. But he tells me that his parents had invested very well in him. His parents had taught him good morals. He himself had learned the value of the dignity of labor. And so being sold, you realize that, you know what? When life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. When life gives you sand, you build sand castles. And so he put himself to work. And the Bible said the, the man saw him and said, look, you're good. And put him in charge. He made him the steward over his whole household. And the Bible said, as he became that steward, God prospered him, and the man, the man, the man didn't even have to do anything. So much that when his wife came to him, he said, "Look, temptation will come. There's no, there's no sin in being tempted. Okay, stop running from temptation. Temptation will come to you anywhere you are. There's nothing wrong with being tempted. It is, it is giving into temptation that is the sin, not the temptation itself. So he held his ground." And he said to the wife, he said, this is, this is, the, this is evil thing. In this house, nobody is greater than me. And your, my, my master had held nothing from me except you, his wife. It is, it's going to be a bad thing for me to do that. So David, Joseph discovered a gift on the inside of him, the gift of administration. Some of us are sitting on that same gifting. Some of us are good managers, good administrators, good organizers. And yet we're sitting on it. But Joseph, no. He puts 
his gift to, to use. So he landed in prison. You see, and I, like I told you in the first series, who would have thought this reward for not committing adultery, or no, no, fornication because he was single, who would have thought his, 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 his reward for, for, for keeping himself sexually pure would have been a stint in prison? But again, God had the purpose, God had the plan. And so in prison, and interestingly, I, I keep wondering, how come he didn't go to the public jail? <laughs> he ended up in prison and he became friends with the king's officials. And again, because he was a young man with a lot of positive attitude. His attitude stood out. Attitude is a lot. Attitude is a lot. <clears throat> When you have good attitude, you show interest in other people. And so when he saw those people and he said, ah, come on guys, why are, you looking, why are you looking this way? And they both told him again. You know, he was a dreamer. He dreamt and now he went a step further. Not only did he dream, but he was also able to interpret their dream. And he said to one of those people, he said, so the guy said, oh, the copyright, when you are restored to your position, please remember me. You know, because I was so, he was telling him his story. The man forgot him. But you have to know that no good deed goes unrewarded because years later, a situation arose. So we saw him being a good administrator right out of his father's house. We saw him being able to be exercising, if you're looking for a job in government, they say, they say good judgment and tact. He demonstrated good judgment and tact, discretion and discernment. And believe me, everything I've just said right now, you have it as well. You have it. If you can get up in the morning, if you can clean your house, wash your clothes, tidy your room, make sure you're not late for your work, you're administering yourself. And so he went there and he told Pharaoh the, the dream. And God gave him one of the most powerful formulas. Now let me, let me stop there. Before I came to Canada and God started teaching me along this line, the principle God gave me was the same thing I found with Joseph because he made me read that scripture and he said, you need to set some money aside and you need to start investing. And we, listen, by the time God was talking to me about investment, I'll be honest with you, I was broke. Now, my kind of Christianity has always been radical. I try to put my faith to action. I read a story about the woman whom Elijah had said to go and borrow. And I read about this, and so the little money I had, I started buying shares. And it's so interesting, I taught myself how to analyze those shares, and I started putting money in shares. And I wasn't waiting for one year. I was flipping my shares every six months, three to six months, I would flip them. I had ones I kept for a long time investments, but I had one that I was just speculating, and it was nice. 
So a new IPO comes out, I buy, and as the IPO is going up and you see the price going, I just sell. Very interesting. Sometimes when God is going to start with you, it's not going to be when you have an abundance. When I came to Canada, a year after I came to Canada and uh, the Lord started showing me houses and I kept ignoring it. And one day he said, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing. He said, I've been giving you this thing. Why are you not taking it? I said, oh. I said, okay. And then I put myself to it and we bought our first house, zero down. Zero down. Praise the Lord. So there is something, just like Pastor Francis shared on, on Wednesday, you don't start a business with money. You start with, an, you invest in an idea. A lot of people have come to me, exactly. oh, you know, we need this uh, money. We are looking for investors. We're looking, listen, nobody will invest in you if they can't trust you. If I put my money into what you are doing, I'm not putting my money into what you're doing. I'm putting my money because I trust you and I trust that your idea will work. Jesus says, out of the abundance of his heart, speaketh, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, speaketh forth the mouth. Brian Tracy put it another way. He said, it thinketh nothing, therefore it becomes nothing. If I'm always with you and you never say something that is constructive, something that is going to increase me, and then one day you want me to invest in you, I'm just going to listen to your story and say, okay. And so Joseph went there, gave them this beautiful idea. And the man said, I can't think of anybody more discerning, more full of wisdom than you. So you're going to be the head. Mind you, from nothing. From nothing. A lot of times people say, oh, I know, I know, I know this person. I know that person. It's good to know people. Trust me, it's good to know people, but I think the best person to know is to know the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. The best person to know is that person who gives ideas. The Bible says, for it is he that teaches us to will and to do according to his own good pleasure. The best person to know is that person that teaches you to will and teaches you to do according to his own good pleasures. Genesis chapter 47, from verse 13 to 26, is a long read. So I'll, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to read all of this. But I will show you something in verse 19. The people came to Joseph and they said, why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die and that the land may not become desolate. Why should we perish? And then they said, give us seed. They were not asking for food. They were not asking for food. I want to catch a revelation in that. 
Several years ago, as a fresh graduate, broke unemployed, I worked, um, God knows, I, I don't remember I got there. I think I, I trekked from Shomodu to Antony. And I went to one of those strength conventions. At the end of the convention, I was sitting by a woman. And during offering time, um, they were passing the offering around. I didn't have offering money. So I just, I looked at them and I was you know, just praying. But I noticed the woman by my side, she looked at me, she tapped me and gave me, it was all 20 naira notes. I think it will have been about 200. She gave that to me. And uh, immediately I, I took that money. I didn't, I just flipped it. I, I guess it was about 200. So when the offering basket, when they were taking the offering again, you know how ushers will come on this side and that side. So I called the one there and I put every of those offerings. And my prayer was this, Father, this is seed that has been given to me and I'm sowing it. I remember this scripture. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not become desolate. And I also said to the Lord, the Bible said there is a man that withholds and tends to poverty, and yet there is a man that gives and yet increases. And the Bible says, you know, every man should give according to his ability. In that case, that was that money was not even mine anyway. So I just put every of the money back in the offering basket. And apparently the woman saw me at the end of the, the meeting, uh, as it was a customer, I was raised an Anglican. So when we finish service, you sit down there and you pray. So my Anglicanness took over me and I was praying silent prayer. But the woman sat by me. And as I finished praying, she again put money in my hand. The money she put in my hand lasted me for the rest of the month. Now, I could have just removed 20, you know, a part of that money and put for offering. But I did not. I said, Lord, this is seed. I'm sowing this seed for an abundance and I just put it in there. Faith is an attitude. I think what people call positive attitude is faith. I walked into a church once, and uh, you know, sometimes pastors are very funny. As soon as I walked into the church, I was called to the pulpit, and I was asked, I stand to offering, come and bless the offering. And I looked at the guy. I said, people mean that you are calling to bless offering. I don't have offering. Why would you make me do this? Anyway, if God calls you right, like, uh, I think what Peter says, we're ready in and out of season. So I, I went there, and I said, after everybody has given, I said, listen, I, I don't think it is right for me to bless an offering that I've not contributed to. And I said, I can't contribute to this offering because honestly, I don't have money. So um, does anybody here want to be generous towards me and give me a seed so that when I pray, I also will be a part of today's blessing? And tell, oh my God, because was one person, before you know it, people were running from all over the church trying to give. I just wanted just one, one seed. And then the ushers had to gather, uh, they had to bring the offering, different offering basket for me. And they filled it. People wrote check, people brought cards, filled it up. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay in front of the church and take their money? I'm not going to do that. 
Again, I ask for a seed. That is the principle there. I ask for a seed. I got abundance of seed. The Bible said, he that gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so again, I poured all the offering. I poured it there. I don't even know how much they did. The offered me. I said, no, 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 no. I've, the people have given the seed. I have sold. And I walked away. You see, about people say to me, I can't, I can't invest. And I say, why? They say, because I don't have money. That's not true. If you have a job, you have money. One of the first things you need to do as a steward of yourself is to teach yourself to spend below your income. Then you have to see whatever money you earn every month as a seed. In fact, that's why I'm very, very reluctant, and I think we had some of this conversation at the beginning, I'm very reluctant at all of these ATMs in the church. All this plastic swiping. Because I really want people to take that seed in their hand and sow it. And so, George Clarkson, in his book, Richest Man of Babylon, says, every time you earn money, he said, pay yourself first. So when Joseph said, take 20% of everything, he was saying, okay, we need to pay ourselves first. We need to pay the government first. And that's the principle of tithing. And after that incident, you will find out that even till today, according to the Bible, that became a law in Egypt that when people earn, they must contribute 20%. We're paying for 10% here, we are crying. So when you, whatever amount of money you earn, first remove 10% for yourself. Then remember, as I showed you the last time, the whole purpose of tithing is very simple. Very, very simple. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 to 23 says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 23. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your field, all that your field produces each year. Right? And then the, the other part of it says, And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to put his name. Choose to put his name, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thy, of thy oil, and the forces of thy herd, and of thy flock. Look at that last line. Underline it in your Bible. That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The whole purpose of God, of tithing, is so that we will learn to fear the Lord, or like I want to put it, we will learn to put God first. Learn to put God first. How much is my life worth? If the breath in us I remember years ago when uh, MQ Abiola died and uh, I was watching that and I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed in the mass burial. One of the richest men in the world at that time. And then they, they, they brought him out of this casket, put him in that uh, cheap uh, uh, white clothes, tied the rope around his neck and I'm saying, wow. At the end of the day, once that bread goes out, we're worth nothing. <laughs> we're worth nothing. 
And so, what does it cost us to give God a pass? He owns it anyways. The cattle and the thousand feet belongs to it, to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The word that they will live in it. And I shared with you how we used to have somebody who was supporting us in the church. I mean, the offering we got every month from this person was to third of our, of our rent. To third. Only for me to discover, discover that the person was breaking it up into poor. And I'm like, no, no. I wanted to get the blessings of God. It's not about the money for me. For me, ministry has never, ever been about money. Never. I said to God when he first called me into ministry, I said, Lord, I don't want to be a pastor. He said, why? I said, because all the pastors I see are poor, and I don't like being poor. And he said to me, he said, I will take care of you. And I'm telling you, he still doing that to you today. I remember when I was going to get married and I was looking at wedding bands and I said to the Lord, you think I'm going to be able to afford that wedding band? He said, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And it's, it's, at every point he has said to me, I will take care of you, he has been there to do just that. My wife will tell you, when I pay tithe, I normally just do 20%. It's, it's a waste of time paying. I mean, how much, how much is my life worth? But a lot of times we think of, you know, people tell me I have bills to pay. It's so annoying when you say you have bills to pay. You have bills to pay because you don't know how to govern your own taste and passion. You don't have to spend that credit card. You don't even have to have a credit card. It's not couple. I, I have white friends who don't have cell phone. They don't have internet at home. They use everything office provides them. But if you spend somebody's money, then you've got to pay them back. Still worship. So people have used credit card to actually make a lot of money. They've learned to invest the money they take from their credit card. But a lot of people have actually learned to live, to, to be indebted because every time they are hungry, they, listen, if you are going to borrow money, borrow money to invest, not to eat. They said to him, give us seed. Give us seed so that we will not die. And then if you, if you go with me further, in verse 24 of that Genesis 47, Joseph said, let's start from verse 23, 23 to, 20, uh, to 26, please. And then they just said to the people, now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant Ah, follow me. Thou shalt no no Genesis 40, uh, 47, right? From verse 23 to 26. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought, I want to go back and read it very well. Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so that you can plant the ground. Verse 24. But then when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The order for fifth, so give Pharaoh 20 percent, then the remaining 80 percent keep. You may keep as seed for the field and as food for yourselves, your household, and your children. 
is that is not telling them how they should live their life. That's why I don't like, and I, I apologize, but really, this is why I don't like like welfare check. Ontario Works pisses me off. Because when you take Ontario Works, they actually tell you how to spend your money. You can't, you can't rent that out because it's 1,500. That's how you're going to manage it. You're going to do this because it's that. Somebody was saying to me during the week, why didn't you apply for the $40,000 note? Don't worry, you will get it. I said, no, I don't want it. I have too much debt already. Yeah, the government is saying, take 40,000. If you pay us by next year, we will write off 10,000, but you still owe us 30,000. So I basically, I'm only getting $30,000 interest or whatever it is. But what is the guarantee that I'm going to be able to make that money for them to pay? And now because I can't pay them, I'm going to be indebted to the government. And like Joseph is saying here, you know what? Then they can say, uh, uh, can, can we look at your books? I don't want to open my books to nobody. The only people I open my books to is when I apply for mortgage. Other than mortgage financing, I'm not opening my book to nobody. CRA came after me and I was trying to negotiate and the lady said to me, I need 12 more bank accounts. I need to see your books. And I said, go to hell. You're not looking at my book one bit. Because remember, the Bible says, the borrower is a servant to the lender. Once you take somebody's money, you will place, will place the piper, the place the tool. And that's what Joseph was telling them here. Once you take government subvention, you cannot complain. So when government bails out big banks and the manufacturing company, government is not just bailing them for the fund of it. Government is taking something from them. And then after a while, if they can't pay, then government sends the people there to the administrators. And before you know it, government has taken over the, the whole place. And then they will send it to their colleagues. Give us seeds so that we will not die. I want to go back and read that Genesis 47. It's a very good principle for investment. And he said to them, so, and I think that is, that is one principle that God really showed me. Put aside that 20%, then of the remaining 80%, he said, so. Look at that. And the first he said, keep a seed. Don't eat everything. No. Keep a seed for the field as food for yourself your household and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in your eyes, our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. I refuse to be in bondage to nobody. I remember I was working somewhere in Etobicoke and uh, suddenly I had a boss who became very, very intimidating. My boss will undermine me at every opportunity she has. It was so annoying working for this person. And uh, I, I prayed about it. it. It was so bad that once I'm going to the office, I'm so excited leaving the house. I've, I've had that experience twice in my life. When I'm going to the office in the morning, I'm so excited. As I get close to work, I, get, I, get, I, I begin to express anxiety attacks. I wonder, I came back and said to my wife, I said, I know we are poor. I know we have made this money, but I'm not going to that job again. And she looked at me and I said, I'm not going. And I just stopped going. And I actually made them understand. I said, Look, I know you pay me, but I, I can't work like this. And since then, I made up my mind. And I, I, I'm very, very clear. 
when in the other job someone they were trying to do they were threatening me i said listen you can't threaten me the worst case is this job is over i will move on this i'm not tied to this job you need me if you think my services are over tell me i will move on to the next part of call i mean i was born free i was born free you were born free and so you've got to exercise that freedom and it starts with being a good steward of yourself how do you manage yourself how do you manage yourself that's the beginning praise the lord you've got to use whatever seed that god has given you remember the story of the of the five talents he gave one five he gave one three he gave one one according to each ability to each of us has been given gift according to the grace of god and that's where that's where trustworthiness comes in so when we talk about trustworthiness what are we talking about we're talking about your your demonstrated ability to be dependable can i depend on you can i depend on you if i ask you to do something for me are you going to come true that's dependability can i trust that you've got my back trustworthiness is the quality that we demonstrate to win the confidence of others it shows how we are dependable or that we are dependable and can be relied upon to get the job done praise the lord so i'm going to share some uh, five things here with you and uh, this is not this is not um exhaustive but before i share that i want to again go back to the story of uh, of uh, joseph to be able to share what i want to share with you I want to share something about the story of Joseph, right? Like I said, it, the story of Joseph continues to inspires me when it comes to the whole topic of, of uh, stewardship. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 22 to 6, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. I want you to realize something. The Lord, that same Lord is with you also. In fact, Jesus, Jesus guaranteed it. In Matthew, in Max, uh, Matthew 28, he said, Behold, I will be with you to the end of the ages. In John, he said to them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will, when I leave, I will send you another comforter to be with you. So you are never alone. David demonstrated that even though he was a man of the old covenant, David said, Though I walk through the valley of uncertainty, though I walk through the valley of, of AIDS, of anxiety, the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he knew the Lord is with him. I want you to know that you will never be alone, right? Verse 3 says, when his master saw, you need to start doing things that people will see as well. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, you need to demonstrate your Christian quality. In verse 4, the Bible says, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted him to care, sorry, and entrusted to his care everything he owned. So how do we begin to recognize that? Number one, you have to be diligent. Diligence is number one, is the first key that you have to be. You have to demonstrate that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, 23 and 24. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is Christ that you are serving. Be diligent. See down a man that is diligent at his work. He will not stand before me. me. In my practice, when I started, and another thing I want you to know is this, there is no self-made man. We all need one another. I got, I got help a boost from people who thought I could do something, and as I did it, I started learning. And so I started investing more. I wanted to be good at what I'm doing, and I started investing in various things. You've got to invest in yourself. Part of diligence means you need to spend time investing. You need to learn. You need to relearn. That was a wisdom is profitable to direct. The Bible says, Bible says good understanding wins favor. So it was good understanding. Years ago, one of my brothers was talking, we're talking about public administration and talking about public policy. And the person looked at me and said, ah, yeah. What did you study again? I said, oh, I just finished a, 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 a program in public administration. Within, within a month, I actually got a job as a general manager for a construction company. But I went, and I tell you, when I took that master's program, and my wife can tell you, I didn't have money, but I had the idea of what I wanted. Diligence. Number two, you need to identify your own gift. You need to identify your gift. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You have a gift that you don't even know. If your gift is cooking, cook. If your gift is organizing, organize. If your gift is singing, sing. If your gift is talking, refine your talking. Start your own talk show. In fact, today, the, the world is so easy. Start your own podcast. You belong, after a while, just so many people are making, making money on YouTube today for a lot of silly things. 10 minutes clip, you're making money. And some of you are even more funny than those people that are doing those things. So there's something called that. The Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 7 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. God has not left you desolate. God has not left us without some, some, some what I call innate abilities. 
Listen, not everybody is going to be a leader, but there's nothing wrong with striving to be a leader. Somebody comes to me and said, I want to be, I, I want to, I, I want to be uh, a sales clerk. I said, why can't you be a sales manager? You know, or I want to be in the bank, what I be, uh, you just have to think. But again, I realize that not everybody can be a doctor. Not everybody can be a lawyer. If everybody is a doctor, then when we have cases, and we will always have cases. If everybody is a doctor and a lawyer, what happens when your car breaks down? Years ago, when uh, my, my son was graduating uh, primary school, <clears throat> And they did all those uh, blogs they did for them to graduate. And uh, they, they were playing the video. And one of the kids said, when you grow up, what do you want to be? The, the kid said, I want to be a garbage collector. You know, it just blew my mind. And I'm thinking there, if I met my wife, you know, we're new from Nigeria. And we're looking at ourselves, why would a child want to be a garbage collector? I was so, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And my son, you know, who always loved money, said, I just want to be rich. You know, and I'm looking at this guy. Then after a while, I said to my, I think I called my wife, I said, well, maybe if his father, if his father was a garbage collector, <laughs> that's what he knows. And in Toronto, when you're a garbage collector, you are hired till you retire. <laughs> and you make a lot of money. And I actually started reciting garbage collection after that. So how much do these people make? And they make good money. So not everybody <laughs> can be a mechanic. Somebody needs to drive the garbage truck around and pick up garbages. In fact, one of our friends actually made money from, from the recycling. They call, it, they call it recycling. They will go around and be picking bottles and recycling. This guy, after about a year, was able to buy himself a brand new car and paid cash. Paid off all his credit card, paid off all his credit, uh, uh, student loan. While he was doing it, he would see TV, he would see the TV, he would see smartphones, see laptops and everything. He is a graduate. And he started going out every morning. He would be going around, rummaging through things. He's making money. That is his own gift. If I invited me, I thought of it separately. But uh, I don't know whether it was pride or business. I can't be waking up and <laughs> I can't wake up early in the morning for the picking bottle, you know. I come from Ivanka, they will laugh at me, so I beg, I don't do. But thank God I have other gifts. Praise the Lord. But honestly, if I was desperate, I wouldn't do it. Number three, get over your fear. Please. Bravery is not the absence of fear. Understand that bravery is not the absence of fear. It is your ability to control, to master your fear. Please, everybody is scared. People have said to me, oh my God, I love your confidence and I laugh. I say, you need to see the inside of me. <laughs> you really need to see the inside of me. I took my children to Disney World and they were riding one very interesting uh, ride. And my kids, they come around and I say, Nick. <laughs> is she okay? You are still young. You are having fun. It's okay. If me, I fall down from there, they will say, ah, he has arrived. That's why he died. 
No, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. I beg, leave me. And they tried. And then my son came out and said, Oh, it's not the most scary. And I'm looking at it, ah, when my wife was screaming, and they took me that, ah. But I admire that. I honestly, I admire. Sometimes we need to learn from our children and see how bold they are. How bold. Me, me, I can't go on that behemoth thing that they are doing at the Canada Wonderland. I, I, I can watch, I can take picture, but I will never sit on it. So I have my own fear. But I think if my son is hanging on that thing, I won't go up. Second Timothy 1, 5 to 7 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Louise and your mother Alice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of one of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. I like to put it, I like to reverse that verse 7 and say, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of sound mind, of power, and of love. And I, and I always reverse that to say, Because if you are at peace, then you can exercise your God given power. And then you can actually go there and you can share your faith. Like our like Pastor Fisher said to us, we can go out there and share our faith with our community through the things we do. Number four, you need to be intentional and be deliberate in your giving. Remember that the reason why we pay tithe is to be able to put God first. In the Anglican Church, we saw the song, so I'll try and translate it. It says, there's nothing I have that is more important to me than God. Everything I have belongs to God. David said, when he was dedicating the temple, he said, everything we have is of you, and what we are giving you is only a fraction of what you have given us. Everything we have, the job you have, every increase, every, every time you get a raise, it is of God. And remember, there is a man that withholds. I actually believe that people who always want money never get rich. But people who don't really care about money are usually the ones that really make it financially. Be intentional and be deliberate in your giving. Second Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says, the point is this. <clears throat> Whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The same way, <clears throat> if you sow 10,000 naira, I learned something from our RRSP. The banks want to take $25 out of your money or $50 out of your money every month. Please don't fall into that thing. If you have RRSP, stop putting $50. Increase it to $100. If you have been $100, increase it to $200. Don't worry, you will get your money back. Because when you are saying all those $25 and $50, you are not really making anything. 
In fact, good RRSP investment starts at $5,000. If you're doing all those, they are $25, $50, they are giving you marginal return on your investment. If I challenge you, I'm not trying to advertise, I've not tried them, but there's an app called Milo, M-Y-L-O. You may want to invest in that because they'll help you run up all the change and they invest it for you. Passive income. Passive income on your Android and it's Canadian owned. So if you really want to invest $1,000, save up $5,000, do, do contribution, monthly contribution. Then decide that I want to raise $5,000 on this monthly contribution and invest it. Go to your bank, they will, get, they will just, just put $5,000 there and close your eyes to it. Be intentional in doing that. In your title, be intentional in your title. In your offering, be intentional in your offering. In your giving, be intentional in your giving. When I give to people, I know what I'm doing. Sometimes people think, ah, it's easy. No, 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 no. If I'm giving you a dime, there's a reason why. If I'm giving you a dollar, there's a reason why. I'm very, very careful. I don't want to sow on a land that is barren. It's a waste of time. But then there are some barren investments that are good because they are a sacrifice. And there are certain sacrifices or arms that we have to give every year. So I've learned to do that as well. Then five, one thing I want to share with you is that you need to walk your talk. Titus 1, 7 and 8. Say, see, and over and overseer manages God's household. Titus 1, 7 and 8. Since an overseer manages God's household, it must be blameless. For a bishop, the word bishop there is overseer, translated another way is a steward. For a, a steward must be blameless, which means must have good reputation, must be upright, dependable, as a steward of God, not self-willed, not overbearing, not quick to get angry, not giving to wine, not a striker, not giving to futile liquor, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. NIV says, since an overseer manages God's household, it must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, it must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Self-control. And it's very important that we realize those qualities in each of us. And again, these are things that we have. We all are stewards of God's grace. Christ has deposited. He said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity of captivity. He, he took captivity captive. We just need to know that those things that are bothering us are already captive. And like at source, we are able to walk in heavenly place with Christ. It starts with us. When you spend all your money, the Bible said in Isaiah, it said, come, buy and it said, buy without money. So why spend your earning on things that does not satisfy? 
we want to move beyond and above, <clears throat> not just in our finances, in our ideas, in our vision, in our own, in our, in our investment. It starts with us being diligent, recognizing that everything, John the Baptist says, a man can only receive what he has been given from heaven above. But I tell you, God has deposited a lot in you. A lot has been deposited in you. I challenge you, therefore, to fan into flame the gift of God that has already been deposited in you. And I encourage you also to realize that God has not given you the spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. The Lord wants you. Listen, creation is waiting for you. Your friends are waiting to see the glory of God on your life. People are waiting to see the glory of God in you. And I think you need to give them something. They need to see. We can't serve a big God and have big problems. We can't serve a God who's, who owns the world and live in poverty. The Bible says it became poor so that we will be rich. There are divine principles and this is one of those principles. And let me throw one more to the things I have said earlier. Learn to give thanks. Learn to show appreciation. When somebody says thank you to you, don't say don't mention. Say you're welcome. And you also learn to appreciate people. Some of us go to a restaurant and we can't even tip. We've got good services and yet we can't tip. Maybe you can't do 15%, do five. If you can't do 20, do five. And if you don't have money, let the person know that you appreciate their service. They bless you. We want to move beyond where we are today. And it is my prayer that the Lord will strengthen us. Mm -hmm.